You're listening to Consider This, episode 299, for August 18th, 2020. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever, wherever, and whoever you are. Fasten your seatbelts as we take off into conservative commentary. This is your pilot, Doug Payton, and this is Consider This. But don't get too comfortable, the flight only lasts 10 minutes or less. If you'd like to get a chance to co-pilot, just call me or write me. Information is at considerthis.ctpodcasting.com slash feedback. I want to know your thoughts or your idea about what to cover. That's CT as in co-pilot trainee. A reversal of a large transgender study, the last of a political type, and mailing your ballots. That's coming up. In fact, let's get right to it. Last fall, the American Journal of Psychiatry published a study using the largest data set up to that point that looked into whether gender-affirming surgeries were beneficial to transgender people. The study showed that it was, and thus this was cited and reported all over. Those transphobic conservatives got put in their place. And now, ten months later, now that everyone who cited this and reported on this has moved on to other things, now the AJP has released a correction to the data. After some people didn't think the numbers added up, they've been reviewed and a correction was issued. So now that we have good data, it turns out that the largest study of its kind shows that gender reassignment surgery has no appreciable benefit to mental health. As I reported back in episode 192, Dr. Paul R. McHugh, who used to do gender reassignment surgery for Johns Hopkins Hospital, knew this as early as 2015. Further, he reported back then on a study that showed that the suicide rate among transgendered people who had reassignment surgery was 20 times higher than the suicide rate among non-transgendered people. This new corrected study once again lines up with his experience and other studies that preceded it. Will news outlets issue a correction? (laughs) Take a wild guess. When I did a search for the two authors of the study on Google News, I got a few hits from right-of-center websites and a couple from Australia. All the bigger names were from the time that the study first came out. So if you aren't reading any right-leaning sites, you won't get the whole story. Even WebMD reported on the study the day it came out, but is silent on the correction 16 days later. Keep that in mind when you go looking for medical advice on a politically charged topic. Ten months on the internet is an eternity. So the damage has been done, and the misinformation will continue to inform decisions to have these surgeries and medical treatments for some time to come. But before we start six-year-olds on transitioning meds, or before adults start mutilating their bodies, it might be good to take a step back and consider the permanent nature of some of these changes. Trading in body parts for inclusion in a group that has a huge suicide rate had better be really worth it. Dan was the last of his kind. 
His breed had been disappearing for quite some time, and by all appearances had been extinct for quite a while, but Dan was the last holdout. See, Dan held to an idea that his tribe had since left behind. It's not that he changed his mind, it's just that he got, as it were, voted off the island. Well, the island is Washington, D.C., and Dan Lipinski was the last pro-life Democrat in Congress. He recently lost his primary to a challenger who is pro-abortion, thus quietly putting an end to any whiff of concern by Democrats at the national level for pre-born human life. But consider this. Only 18% of Democrat voters agree with third-trimester abortions, and 30% consider themselves pro-life. So now, voters need to decide what their priorities are. If matters of life and death matter to you, and you normally vote for the Democrat, it's time to reconsider your vote. Actually, it was, it was time a long time ago. But yeah, you may disagree with Republicans on a variety of policies, but none of that matters, none of that is relevant to the unborn if they never get a chance to live. Your view on education doesn't matter unless they get to take advantage of it. Your view on tax rates don't matter unless they get to grow up and pay them. Your view on Social Security doesn't matter if they never grow old to use them. Nothing matters if they don't get a chance to live. And so if no other rights matter if you never get a chance to live, I have a thought as to where you cast your next vote. Republicans would certainly like to represent you. If life or death matters, consider this. There's a link in the show notes to an article I posted on my personal Facebook profile, which I did as sort of a public service. What I had noticed is that quite a number of friends of mine didn't understand the difference between a state offering absentee ballots and just mailing out ballots to all registered voters, a practice with the unfortunate-sounding name all-mail voting. With absentee voting, one person requests one ballot. There's usually a form to fill out and a signature. In some states, they validate the information against their database, and others validate the signature, or both. With all-mail voting, the state just sends out ballots to every person on the rolls. This includes people who have died and people who have moved. Think about it. When's the last time you let your state or county elections board know that you left the precinct? <laughs> so no, when Trump applied for an absentee ballot, it's not the same thing as his criticism of all-male voting. The claim from the right is that all-male voting is just asking for fraud. Well, it's not just from the right. In 2005, the Commission on Federal Election Reform, co-chaired by former President Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, and former Secretary of State James Baker, a Republican who served under Reagan and H.W. Bush, concluded that absentee ballots, quote, remain the largest source of potential voter fraud, close quote. Further, the 2005 Carter-Baker Commission recommended that states, quote, prohibit a person from handling absentee ballots other than the voter, an acknowledged family member, the U.S. Postal Service, or other legitimate shipper, or election officials, close quote. Yet, 
15 states in D.C. place no restrictions on who can handle ballots in a practice called ballot harvesting, where political operatives may collect absentee ballots from voters and even be present when a voter makes the selections. California just legalized it last year, and Democrats want to expand it nationwide. So no, when Trump applied for an absentee ballot, it's not the same as his criticism of all-male voting. There's a lot more at the link in the show notes in case you have friends that are confusing the two or who don't know there are two. So what do you think? I'd like to hear your thoughts on these topics or any others. Listeners Brandon and Barb wrote to consider this at ctpodcasting.com with ideas and questions of theirs, and I appreciate it. Episode 300 is next. So if you want to participate, ask me anything and I'll try to answer. Even better, ask your question on my voicemail feedback hotline at 267-CALL-CT0, 267-225-5280. Please put your tray tables and seat backs into the upright and locked position as we prepare to end this flight. But don't forget that the conversation continues on the Facebook group. We'll see you there as we all consider this.